This is the Nourishing Nutrition Podcast, and my name is Eleanor Dooley. I created this podcast to inspire, empower, and advocate for your best self. I combine current nutritional research with the practicalities of living your life, giving you real nutrition talk in bite-sized pieces. Please remember that I am a licensed dietitian nutritionist and certified nutrition specialist. I am not a medical doctor, and by listening to this podcast, you agree not to use this podcast as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others, including but not limited to patients that you are treating. Consult your own physician for any medical issues that you might be having. This is the Nourishing Nutrition Podcast, and my name is Eleanor Dooley. I created this podcast to inspire, empower, and advocate for your best self. I combine current nutritional research with the practicalities of living your life, giving you real nutrition talk in bite-sized pieces. Please remember that I am a licensed dietitian nutritionist and certified nutrition specialist. I am not a medical doctor, and by listening to this podcast, you agree not to use this podcast as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others, including but not limited to patients that you are treating. Consult your own physician for any medical issues that you might be having. Hey, everybody, it's Eleanor Dooley. I am talking to you today about stress on the body, activating your autonomic nervous system, and how stress and boundaries affect that. We all experience stress. I mean, that's just a given. In our world, things move quickly and at a very high, fast pace, never really leaving much time for rest. There's never really built-in time to breathe. In fact, unless we make it a priority, we can easily be swept away with distractions and demands for our attention every waking moment. Today, I want to talk about the ways in which we're constantly activating our nervous system throughout the day because we have poor boundaries. When our nervous system is activated, a couple things happen in the body. And some of these include your heartbeat quickens, your breath is fast and shallow, your pupils expand, making you sensitive to light, your gut becomes inactive, which makes food difficult to digest, blood rushes to your skeletal muscles and away from your brain, making it hard to think, and hormones rush through your body, making you feel anxious. This activity uses a lot of energy, so you feel momentarily excited or activated, but extremely exhausted later. Stress activates our nervous system. And what this is actually doing is there is stimulus that causes your brain to feel threatened in some way. The brain likes to feel safe and in homeostasis. And when the brain senses this imbalance in safety, it manages it with a hormonal response, which is trying to make you feel safe again. And that's how our bodies were designed to handle stress and normal interactions throughout the day. Where things go off the rails is when there is a constant sense of threat or stimulus, all the same or many different ones. And there's no real retreat from the threat to the brain to rest, repair, restore, recover. You can even sleep in a heightened state of stress. Today, I want to talk about a different concept about feeling safe that I've recently adopted 
and touched on in episode 17. I'm going to talk about one way in which I've managed to break apart my stressors and triggers, what's worked for me and how I plan to continue setting these kinds of boundaries in the future. There's that word again, boundaries. What are we talking about when we talk about boundaries and how do I know I need them? I feel out of control and my body kind of takes over meaning I can't think my way out of this problem. I can't come up with a way to stop the stimulus. That is the state for me is when my body is in the fight, flight, and freeze. My nervous system is activated. This is my brain's way of communicating to my body that it feels unsafe. And some examples for me include if I'm in a place that's really, really crowded, if there's a lot of people, like it's difficult for me to see the exits, or to kind of get space to breathe. If there's too much noise, too many people are talking to me at the same time, and there's music on in the background and the TV's going, and someone's asking me a question, it's, it's too much for my brain to process all of that noise stimulus at one time. I think it has something to do with a hearing disability that I got from being in the military for a few years. And also another one that makes my brain feel unsafe is being around artificial fragrances. It causes extreme anxiety for me. And those are just a few of the physical situations that affect my nervous system. And I also find that there are a few anxiety triggering circumstances that cause my nervous system to activate. I call these my energetic leaks. They're like parasites. They suck my energy and they don't give me anything in return. In fact, they just want more and more and more of me. They induce more anxiety. And until I was able to get a handle on processing these thoughts, my nervous system was perpetually activated. And for me, these things are things like thinking about childhood trauma, or even just having experienced it, arguments with loved ones, fear or worry about the future, financial stressors, things that are out of my control that I feel anxious about. These are my energetic leaks and they cause a continual cycle of stress. I became aware of leaks in my energy and this was such a big wake up call for me when I stopped and looked at how I was spending my time. What was I prioritizing in my day? I realized that by allowing my feelings, emotions, and negative reactions, energetic leaks cause a continual stress cycle. And I started noticing that the patterns and habits that were created to feel like they were protecting me, they were actually keeping my nervous system on alert. So what I'm trying to say is worrying doesn't actually produce safety, but I have this idea that if I'm worrying about something, I'm, I'm giving it energy and hoping that it doesn't happen. Right. And that is, is, is an energetic leak for me. If we're able to find these leaks, then we can figure out how to fill in the cracks so that we don't let that energy leak. The way I was able to stop the energy leaks was by setting boundaries with myself. It's not always possible to remove yourself from certain situations or conversations and ignoring the problem. We all know it doesn't create long-term solutions. What has helped me setting up personal boundaries for myself is becoming clear on what my energy can be spent on. What am I available for? 
To be clear, setting up boundaries are actions that you take in order to feel safe. They're rules that you put in place for yourself to help you feel settled within your own body and keeping your nervous system safe from continual activation. This means setting rules for yourself, whether this is you removing yourself from things or putting rules in place for others that come in contact with you that help you to feel safe. I have recently been able to trace triggers from patterns of conversations that I was having with people, i.e. gossip, snide comments, snarky reactions. And those kinds of conversations would make me feel guilty later on and anxious, even if I didn't really participate, but I witnessed them or I watched them on TV or I followed a thread on Instagram that got nasty. And I decided that I needed to set a clear boundary of what conversations I wanted to be included in and what I was available for. This meant that I had to clearly communicate that if I did not want a person to come to me to join a conversation that was hurtful to somebody else, that I would not comment and I would leave the conversation. This does two things for me. It keeps me feeling safe and not activated. And it gives a signal to the other person that they have pushed up against my boundary. And now they are aware of what that boundary is. Creating boundaries is kind of the fun part about protecting yourself because you figure out what is causing the issue. You figure out how you want to show up for that issue. But the hard part is the actual doing and the pushback that you're going to get from other people. I want you to remember this quote. The only people that get upset by you setting boundaries are the ones who benefited from you having none. Others having a response to your new rule is to be expected, but having the language to explain how the activity, whether it's a conversation, it's gossip, whatever, how it makes you feel is important for you to figure out in order to be able to reinforce and uphold the boundary. You need to know how to speak about it and explain it when it comes up so that you can stand in that. It doesn't mean that other people are gonna get it or are gonna understand it, but that doesn't matter as long as you understand it. If you skip this step, you will most likely waver and wobble when you get pushback and you can kind of talk yourself out of the boundary and justify the bad behavior, keeping you in that heightened state of perpetual stress. So you set a boundary, you're clear about why you're setting it and how you're gonna go about reinforcing it. And then you do it. This new philosophy has set the tone with how people speak to me and what they talk to me about. People who know me know what I'm available for to engage them in and what I choose to not respond to or participate in. I do this to keep my nervous system feeling safe. I am the one who takes the action and upholds the boundary. Think about it this way. Your best friend is more available for you to talk about private thoughts and insecurities. So you have a personal boundary with them about what acceptable conversation is and what is not. And you also probably do not feel as comfortable talking about those same things with your boss or a colleague 
at work as you would that friend because you have professional boundaries about what is appropriate to talk about and what is not appropriate to talk about. By having these, sometimes they're unsaid rules, by having these boundaries, it keeps everybody safe from being involved in conversations that are inappropriate. That inappropriateness can lead to stress and anxiety and just not feeling safe. That is what setting boundaries is. Making appropriate safety rules for you and explaining them to others as needed. If you take time to set up the boundaries and process how you're going to enforce them, that might feel daunting, it might feel overwhelming, it might feel scary. I get it. I suggest doing this gradually, taking your time and letting your nervous system adjust to the small, slight changes that you are making every day. This can start with a simple conversation with your spouse or your best friend. And by reinforcing your boundaries and being clear about what you are going to accept. A big boundary for me is if someone's acting in a way that's untruthful or unfaithful or has treated me in a way that has tricked me, okay? That is a boundary that friends have crossed and I don't tolerate that behavior. So somebody apologizing for that or brushing it off is no big deal is not a line that I'm willing to come back from. That is a personal boundary that has protected me in my adult life. I've, people have pushed those boundaries before. And if you know me, you know that I'm not a person that is going to be untrustworthy or lie, or my personal integrity is something that I value very much in myself and in my friends, in my family and in the company that I keep. So if you violate that integrity, that is a boundary that I am not willing to cross. That is not a boundary that somebody can violate with me and then come back from. So here's some ways that you can identify if a boundary is needed. For me, it became when I felt sucked into conversations that I didn't necessarily want to be in. I was reluctantly commenting or kind of agreeing with everybody else, but I didn't feel good about it. I kind of felt icky about it. That's a red flag for me that a boundary is needed. Another way, asking yourself, do I need to be a part of this conversation? If the answer is no, you most likely need to create a boundary. Another way, am I getting anything positive out of this or is this making me a better person? If the answer is no, you most likely need a boundary. Why would you participate in something that is not making you better? Because if it's not making you better, it's making you worse or it's making you the same. And the same is probably not the best place that you've ever been. Is what you're participating in hurtful in any way to anybody else? If the answer is yes, then most likely you need to create a boundary. The example I use with a gossiping coworker can go something like this. Someone pulls you into a conversation and they're talking about somebody else and you're trying to find your way to remove yourself from the conversation. You can explain that you don't wanna be a part of this. I don't wanna say anything hurtful. This is unproductive. Or simply, you're too busy, to, you're too busy for this right now if you don't quite have the language yet. This can be really challenging and uncomfortable, but this is where you start drawing the line in the sand about what you are available for. You can explain that if the person comes to you with conversations like this in the future, you're not going to participate and you're gonna walk away. 
That's what a boundary is. Notice that you are not trying to control the conversation about telling so-and-so what to do and what to say. You are saying that you are going to do an action. You are going to react in this way if this situation happens again. That's the difference between a boundary and trying to control. You have to repeat this a couple times for people to really get it, especially if you've known them for a while or if you felt pulled in by these situations for a while. But remember, if they're causing you anxiety and they're causing your nervous system to feel unsafe, then that is causing you stress. By creating a boundary for yourself, you've excluded yourself from behaviors that activate your nervous system, stopping the cycle of the stress and the increased stress and the increased stress. Once you start making boundaries, it really does get so much easier to protect your peace. You can identify how that's going to make you feel and it becomes habit and you sharpen your intuition in knowing this person gives me icky vibes or this person I'm feeling out of integrity when I'm around them and talking to them. This is a much clearer and realistic approach to handling anxiety because you're identifying issues before they turn into the cortisol provoking problems. This not only stops the increased stress cortisol cycle from being recycled through and through, you take a stand against perpetuating these stressful and damaging situations for other people too. This is just one example of how setting boundaries can really end up changing how you process stress. And I wanted to share this one because it's been on my heart for a few weeks now and it started feeling more achievable for me to handle things by already having rules in place that protect me. So think of some ways that you can start figuring out how to create boundaries and start looking at the areas in your life that are keeping you stuck, keeping your nervous system switched on all the time. Setting boundaries not only changes the way you become available, for other people and other conversations that cause you discomfort and also the follow-on anxiety later. Whether these are interactions with coworkers, a boss, a neighbor, your mother-in-law, your, you know, your siblings, whoever it is in your life that is dragging you into things that cause you stress. This is how I was able to find a way to stop this energy from leaking and keeping my brain feeling safe. Believe me, there's no simple solutions. There's no one, two, three steps that can solve your anxiety or stress. And anybody that tries to tell you that, it's a red flag. Especially when we're talking about deeply rooted traumas, childhood abuse. But boundary setting can offer you a way out for next time. I've been practicing this for a few years. And along with energy healing and therapy, I've been able to adjust my habits and daily routines to support my nervous system and build in self-protection for those times when I'm not feeling in control. This has allowed me to slow down, re-engage with conversations I want to be a part of and disengage and remove myself from situations that make me feel icky and cause me stress and anxiety later. Sometimes this means letting go of toxic relationships people, unfollowing people or hiding them on social media, 
that make you feel less than. This is different for every person. So I encourage you to take some time to figure out what the next best move is for you. Here are some things that you can think about that might help initially when you're trying to identify triggers for your safety. Being aware of what you're consuming, what kinds of TV shows, podcasts, conversations, you know, when people call you for help, what are they coming to you to tell you? Because that might be a clue of how people perceive you and how people perceive what you're available for. What are you mentally consuming? Are you plugged into what your subconscious is picking up? These are things like social media, reading books, friends, groups, religion, activities that you mindlessly show up for. Make sure that those things are encouraging and feel safe to your nervous system. Recognize signs and triggers for anxiety. Find what works for you in the moment, whether that's breath work, walking, getting sunshine on your face, crying, removing yourself from the situation, whether it's going to the restroom for a few minutes to, to have some deep breaths, calling a friend, texting somebody you trust, find your thing that will help rebalance you so that you can reinforce the boundaries that you will have already have set in place. Having a go-to plan for when you can't really think is the key to unlocking your stress response in situations where it feels like you can't control the situation. So for me, having a go-to plan when I'm in a really crowded space that I can't control, if I'm in an airport, I, I can't control that. So I put my noise canceling earbuds in, I listen to something calming, or I listen to a funny podcast, something that distracts my nervous system enough so that I can calm down enough and let my brain know that I am actually safe. This also might require seeking help outside your usual ways, finding a qualified counselor that is experienced in dealing with trauma, PTSD, and other areas of healing. I hope this podcast was helpful for you to take a quick look at what's keeping you in your stress state, what's raising your cortisol or keeping your nervous system activated. If this comes as a surprise or you realize that your body is usually perpetually in this state of extreme overload, it's time to figure out ways to regulate your nervous system response. If you are conditioned to stay in this hyper alert or aware state for prolonged periods of time, I'm talking years and decades, it can lead to serious problems such as IBS, IBD, autoimmune disorders, hyperglycemia, which is high blood sugar, which can lead to type two diabetes, hypertension, which is high blood pressure, which can lead to cardiac disease and kidney disease. Also, this can lead to obesity and increased metabolic issues, metabolic syndrome, anxiety, and depression. So if you experience any of those things that I just mentioned, can you relate it to some perpetual stress that has been present in your life? It's time for us to start looking after ourselves and one another. See you next week for another episode of Nourishing Nutrition if you are interested in learning more about me, my practice, and my programs, you can follow me on Instagram at your.hormone.nutritionist 
You can follow my Facebook group, Happy Hormones and Tamed Inflammation, or visit my website at nourishingnutrition.net. Check out my free resources by subscribing to my newsletter and following this podcast. See you next week for a brand new episode. If you are interested in learning more about me, my practice, and my programs, you can follow me on Instagram at your.hormone.nutritionist. You can follow my Facebook group, Happy Hormones and Tamed Inflammation, or visit my website at nourishingnutrition.net. Check out my free resources by subscribing to my newsletter and following this podcast. See you next week for a brand new episode.